right, what's up everyone? I'm Sebastian, as you already know. I'm a computer science undergraduate at Johns Hopkins University. Today we're doing a bit of a different video. I'm gonna be interviewing my good friend and former coworker, uh, Beth Wilmer. And we met each other through a program called Breakthrough Pittsburgh. Uh, things are a little bit different now because we're obviously no longer working there. So let's let's see a little bit about like what he's doing today. So Zach, what are you doing today? Uh, so I, it's funny, you go to Johns Hopkins, I'm wearing my only Johns Hopkins apparel that I have. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's serendipity. Uh, I just, it was not on purpose. Um, I currently attend Denison University and that's in Granville, Ohio. It's uh, similar to Johns Hopkins, except it doesn't have a graduate school and it's a little bit in the middle of nowhere, I would say. <laughs> Um, I'm majoring in psychology. I'm going to be a junior. Um, what, what year are you, Sebastian? I'm also, I'm going to be entering my junior year too. The thing that's different though is that Sebastian uh, graduated high school a year after I did, but we're both juniors. So look at that. All right. I, okay. actually, I, wanted, to, I wanted to get it. I wanted to get into a bit of that. So, uh, well, a lot of times when we were um, back in Breakthrough, we like pretty much had like our conversations, like you, me, and our other friend, uh, other roommate, uh, had conversations about you know different things that we went through in life. And I want you maybe to like give a brief explanation, maybe I don't know up to you, uh, how deeply you want to go into this. But like you know, what are some of the experiences that you had in high school, and like what were you know what were the challenges that you saw as you transitioned from high school into college? So I would say out of anyone I know in my sphere, I've had like the roughest transition into college, not necessarily on my own accord. So in high school, I was very focused on football and not focused on school at all. Uh, partially because I was like so depressed that I didn't, I didn't have any self-esteem. So I didn't even feel like I could do anything other than football. Like I, was who everyone expected me to be like i was an idiot and i played football and that was it i didn't do anything else i rarely went to school and if i did go to school i would just like sleep and then i'd just go to practice like absolutely i i had never applied myself so given that i had very poor grades so you know without any guidance without anyone saying hey maybe you should like apply yourself i didn't have a lot of options coming out of high school I was originally planning to attend um, Youngstown State, which is in, uh, in the Northeast Ohio. And it's, it's you know, if you go there, great for you. It's not a great school. Um, <laughs> it would not have challenged me to in the slightest extent. And, and uh, so I decided, okay, let me figure out what I wanna do. I didn't go to school in the fall after my senior year. And then I was like, I have a great idea. I'm gonna go to, a junior college where I can play football and I can fix my grades and I can show everyone that I'm way better than my high school performance. And so I, instead of going to a traditional college, I went to Valley Forge Military College and that's in that's near Philadelphia. It's pretty close to like the city center, but not in the city center. Um, and that was an interesting experience. Uh, a military junior college it's private, but it's run like you're in the military. And I, I'm very defiant to authority, so it didn't really go great. And 
uh, I got tonsillitis like extremely bad. I had, I had tonsillitis for like a month and it came to the point where I had to have surgery or else I would have like been risking my life because of some, some disorders I have. Um, so I told them I was going to get surgery and they said, if you're off campus for two weeks, you're going to be withdrawn from the school like by them because there's like a rule where you can't be off campus for two weeks because they're like very authoritative. And I was like, well, I think I'd rather live than be kicked out of Valley Forge. So I got kicked out of Valley Forge, not for anything I did, just for being sick, which sucked. Um, at that point, I really didn't have a lot of options because I didn't, ha I hadn't played football for a year. Uh, I still had really bad grades and I didn't have a lot of options. So I, I decided to go to a school called Lake Erie College, which is in Painesville, Ohio. Um, I went to Lake Erie and it was the first time I ever told myself, like, you're going to apply yourself, like you need to make this work. And so I decided to work my tail off. I had a 386 GPA. Uh, the best GPA I ever had in high school was like a 2.5. So it was a great improvement academically. Um, after that semester, I was like, well, I can probably go somewhere better. So I transferred, <laughs> I transferred back home to Penn State because I'm from State College, same location, wouldn't have to pay for a dorm or whatever. And my plan was to stay at Penn State for a year and a semester and then transfer somewhere where I actually wanted to be. Because I, I knew I didn't have the background to go to somewhere I wanted to be. So I had to be patient and deal with some things I didn't want to do, like go to a big state university, be, take genetic classes that didn't matter, like uh, what, took astronomy. I will never use astronomy in my entire life. It was pointless. I don't remember anything I learned still not 100% confident that the earth is round. Like it's, it's <laughs> it, it didn't work anything in that class. Um, so I went to Penn State for a semester. What I did not know is that Penn State, for whatever reason, like wouldn't give me my federal loans. So, and the tuition's very high. Even if you live in state, the tuition was $10,000 for the semester, um, which is more than I paid at Lake Erie, which is more than I've ever paid for a semester of college. And I didn't get my federal loan. So I had to pay it out of pocket, meaning I had to take a loan because I don't have $10,000. So I had a private loan to go to Penn State somewhere I didn't want to be. And I was very stressed out the entire time. I had so many anxiety attacks. I was like, I was working like full time my own business. And I was trying to like afford to live and go to school at the same time. It was very, very stressful because I mean, it's just not a position I wanted to be in. So after that, I embarked for Breakthrough Pittsburgh. Um, uh, that in summer, I met Sebastian. I chose to do Breakthrough because of a fundamental belief I hold that a lot of people underperform or don't do what what is seen to be the right thing, not because they're a bad person or stupid or lazy, but because they can struggle with mental health. They could have not like a poor environment around them, and. I, the place you see that the most is education. So obviously my education, I was a very poor student and I was a very just lazy student because of my environment that I grew up in. And I wanted to do Breakthrough, uh, which is a program where college students teach uh, middle school kids because I wanted to help someone like me who is, I, not to brag, you know, you don't earn intelligence. I'm very, very smart. 
All right, I'm not gonna. I, I, I don't want to brag. I do not want to brag, but I'm very smart. Okay, and uh, and I just, you know, I wanted to help someone that maybe had the intangibles to succeed. Meaning most people, because school's not that hard. Uh, but I wanted to help someone with the intangibles to succeed, but not the environment, because uh, my assumption and what I realized when I went there was that a lot of these kids may not have a parental figure or if they do a parental figure they might be not not great at it because no one's born to parent you know it's something you gotta learn and it's just unfortunate so i really wanted to help out um i don't know why sebastian did breakthrough he's not interested in education he's, <laughs> he's not a teacher um but sebastian why did you do breakthrough i did breakthrough because I did so poorly in my freshman year that I knew I wouldn't get any other internship or any other job anyway. So like I needed something that at least would like guarantee me like money and also guarantee me that I would be able to get free housing that was somewhere other than where like uh, in New York City or Baltimore. So I just don't like, I just like being, you know, in new places. I like being in, you know, even though we ended up being in the middle of like nowhere <laughs> and it was like a pretty boring really boring place like if we weren't working it was so boring but like whatever regardless of that like i really enjoyed working with those kids i know like pretty much all of us did we had our conflicts with our you know fellow co-workers that's a whole long story that neither of us no one else to get into it's just ridiculous anyway but like we it was really enjoyable to have like that connection with um a bunch of you know young kids who had like you know were very like willing and motivated to, to learn and gain like grow from regardless of what are whether what their circumstances were like i had my own struggles throughout you know pretty much all my life as well like just with battling i guess like some degree of like mental illness with because of you know my environmental factor just so many things playing into that and and that stuff like continued to go even as i got into college and like i thought like you know when I got into college, like, oh, I'm like gonna find some magical cure to like solve what's wrong with my life. But like, it didn't work out that way. And I think like Zach knows that as well. We both had, we all had like our, you know, respective struggles in different ways. And even though I didn't transfer from like different colleges at, you know, within such a small period, I did have like plenty of like times. I did like fail, I didn't fail most of my, I didn't fail any of my classes. Uh, but I did do really poorly to the point where like I did end up on an academic probation and you know I realized that I really did not enjoy my major like the, my first major which was mechanical engineering and when I got into computer science I was just like whoa like I really love what I'm doing right now like this is really hard I'm not like I'm not exactly loving this workload right now but I do really enjoy what I'm learning and I feel like I'm much more connected to what I'm you know what I'm, whatever I'm experiencing in my classes, whereas before it was just a very different experience. All right, so another thing that both me, you and I like spoke about besides, you know, our struggles that we went through was uh, this man named David Goggins. If you don't know who he is, I'll just link it below. Uh, basically a very motivational figure because of all these things that he did. I actually read the book, uh, his book is called Can't Hurt Me because of Zach, because I like, I really thought he like, he seemed very motivated and inspired by, you know, the things that Goggins says, even though 
his his wording can be a little bit harsh at times, but like sometimes maybe that degree of harshness is needed. So maybe Zach, you want to tell me about how you learn about Goggins, and you know what makes what how does that motivate you? You know, in your life in general. So one funny thing about the language in the book is that I was at Penn State and I was in an educational psychology class. And the professor, we're trying to do like a memory thing, like showing how it's hard to relay information and learn at the same time. So it's to show that we only have like selective attention. We can only focus on one thing at once. And um, he's like, I need a book. And I handed them Can't Hurt Me because it was the only book in my backpack. And the kid starts reading. It's like, you have have to grind. I beat my shins and they were broken and it was and this kid saying it it's funny um but that's just a little tidbit about the book it does have colorful language but (laughs) once you get beyond the use of language because you we have to understand about language is that someone has a vernacular because of the way they grew up so me i swear a lot and it's not because like i think it's cool it's because of like the economic class i was born into and the environment i was born into those are the words that were used with me, and that's the words I use. But it doesn't have an indication of my character. It's not like when I say fuck, it's a negative word. Like I can say that's fucking awesome, and that's that's a positive. You know, it's it's a it's a tag to the you know to awesome. It's even more awesome. So, anyways, Goggins. So, whenever I had my first semester at Lake Erie, I had seen the first academic success I had really ever had because it's the first time I ever tried. And I was like, I've always been fascinated with the idea of like, what is my like limit? Like what's my full potential? And that got me like thinking about that. And I happened to see um, David Goggins on Joe Rogan before the book was ever out. And I was like, this guy might have the answers to what, what I could possibly do. Like what happens whenever I take off my own, my own self doubt. And what could I do? So I, so I read the book and he has a very similar experience to me where he grew up in an unstable home and he's, he's overweight and he just like, he knows he wants to do something, but he just can't get out of his own way. And eventually he describes his own steps and he, then he goes to the extreme, you know, it's the, the, the motivational aspect of this, like my own motivation and Goggins or whatever, it's kind of like, a normal person, just a regular everyday person, is stuck in between two walls, right? And they go up and down and up and down between those two walls. But someone like me or Goggins, we see the walls as they're not real. Like, they're just translucent. Like, people are afraid of the wall, but if you touch the wall, it's gone. There's no actual real wall. It's, <laughs> it's something you put in yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're yeah, like, yeah. for me, whenever I was very overweight, I was like, I... I'm supposed to be 300 pounds. I I know I'm supposed to be 300 pounds because I am. And there's no way I could ever run a mile. That would be too much running for me. And that was a wall I put on myself that didn't need to be there because, you know, once I had worked hard and and went and tried to touch it, I fell right through the wall, you know? And I was like, oh, there might be more beyond this. Because once that wall is gone, you're just staring into space and there's nothing left. Like, you could, your, your potential... Rarely will you ever actually hit what your potential is, you know, whether it be because of time, work ethic, uh, whatever it is, you will probably never hit the the real wall, the physical wall that you can't get beyond. 
but you should really should really try because a lot of people are stuck in metaphysical walls that don't even exist okay um so anyways i had read goggins book and it really motivated me because it made me think about what is truly possible not what i what was what is likely what is truly possible if i maximize my time if i devote 100 percent of myself into being successful because although i said i was lazy in high school i had always had a desire to do something with my life that was exceptional not for my own aggrandizement but because i had always as a kid and been told that i wasn't anything you know i always been told like oh you're stupid you're fat you know you're not worth anything um and then like class wise i wasn't raised in a middle class or an upper class home i was raised in a lower class home so like when i looked around me and i live in an affluent area i just assumed i was worse than everyone else i assumed that everyone was better than me and if i worked hard i might be able to be as good as them i could never surpass the people i was born around because they they were already past me they had already had every advantage and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna try and get to maybe where they are but i, I never thought i could surpass them but goggins his his actual success whereas my own per perceived success his actual success allowed me to think maybe i can do more because he couldn't even read and he eventually became you know a navy seal he was 300 pounds he became you know an ultra runner he he did things that the average person would be like oh there's no way you're gonna do that you're 300 pounds you're not gonna be a navy seal you're so stupid but then you know once you see someone do it once you see a successful person's path you can say okay that that's possible for me and that's what made me you know really appreciate david goggins mm -hmm. I had a very uh, similar experience with uh, reading his book. I had, I mean, for the, like, briefly after I read the book, I, I mean, I read more books as well. I can't think of them on top of, top of my head. But they, you know, like, these people kind of made me think, what am I actually doing with my life? Like, you know, I'm here at, like, I guess Hopkins is a very prestigious institution or whatever. I mean, I guess I don't really perceive it that way a lot of the times anyway, but I guess it is, you know, in the grand scheme of, you know, the world. But then it, like, I kind of reduced, you know, what can I, like, do actually, like, you know, with my degree in the end? Like, what am I actually, like, why am I in, like, you know, at that point I was still studying mechanical engineering. Like, why am I studying, like, you know, thermodynamics, which is my least favorite class possible. If you don't like thermodynamics, don't go into mechanical engineering, period. Uh, and it's just understanding, you know, very, like, these things that I thought, like, oh, like, I want to know about this, but no, I, I don't. I don't care. I don't care that, like, you know, a refrigerator works in the reverse. It doesn't, like, it doesn't put in cold air, just pulls out hot air, like, okay fascinating that's a nice fact i don't care about like you know the doing the math and things like that you know trying to figure out what exactly i wanted to do was a long path and i think i it, like reading goggins book and as long as other people there's things that i realized you know this is not what i want to do and you know there's so much that i can do still and i still have this time left like i'm still pretty young and like i can't like just limit myself put you know those walls or those boundaries um in front of me because they they can kind of exist but like you know it's not that hard you just kind of push you kind of push a little bit and they'll it'll it'll give and you'll eventually you'll find you know the next step that you need to take in order to reach whatever you need to reach 
But yeah, um, yeah. I think that's I think that's a good point, and I think you touched on something I forgot to mention. So Sebastian, it, it wasn't even talking about can I. He was talking about you know should I, and that's a very uh, big concept because I mean I can bang my head against the wall all day. Like I'm pretty positive. If I like tried, I would be able to do it. It might hurt. It might ruin my brain. It doesn't matter. I could do it, but I shouldn't do it because it's not what I want to do today, and it's not going to get me anywhere. So, even if you're already in a circumstance where you're you're on a certain path, like Sebastian's saying, like he was in engineering, he's at Johns Hopkins. Who, who could be smarter than an engineer at Johns Hopkins? You know, <laughs> should I be studying engineering at Johns Hopkins? Will that enhance my life? Is that what I want to do? And for him, it was no. And for other people, it'd be yes. I mean, I'm sure that Sebastian does not want to get a doctorate in psychology. I'm sure that would not be enticing to him, but that's enticing to me. So, you know, you need to find out, one, what you want to do so you're not banging your head against the wall. And then, two, find out, can you do it? And more than likely, in almost every circumstance, the answer is going to be yes to can you do it. You know, there's very few things where work ethic cannot overcome you know talent or circumstances you know it, you really you, you have to think bigger than you are whoever you are like i guarantee if you're listening to this video you are not thinking big enough and if i watch this video i'll be right about myself because i'm not thinking big enough you know what i'm saying <laughs> i sound like a, i sound like one of those like uh startup ceos so they, don't, they don't have an actual product but they're like oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. like yeah i, I could be a CEO. Uh, yeah yeah, Zach is going to be our future motivational speaker for the, you know, the world. I don't know. Yeah, one of the best gigs in the world. You don't have to do anything. You should talk about doing things. That's a great gig. That, that's pretty true. You should do it, not me. You all, everyone, I'm a motivational speaker, and then you guys do everything I say to do, and then look who gets paid, you know? That's true. That's true. Good gig. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, get back on track maybe a bit more about, you know, Zach and his experiences. Um, so, like, kind of relating to this, uh, you know, Goggins specifically, well, not, not Goggins, like, relating outside of Goggins specifically, like, what were, like, you know, the things that kind of pushed you from, what, like, being that, you know, pretty bad student, I guess, in high school, then being, you know, a, I guess, a pretty great student in college, like, what were the things that were, like, oh, okay, like, this is what I can do, and this is what I want to do, like, why did you decide, like, I'm going to change my path to begin with, like, what, what was the point, what, what was that starting point for you? So this is actually a great question. So uh, although many people will, will put out that changes happen immediately, that is just nonsense. Like, it's just not true. Like, if you think that, you know, one day I was, you know, depressed and, you know, not well, uh, and then the next day I was, you know, breaking down metaphysical walls, that's not true. And if I told you that, I would be lying, okay? It's, it's, it's so incremental. Um, you know, psychology and your, and your experience is so fragile and it's so ingrained in who you are, you cannot change it in a day. And if you try to change it in a day, you'll just stop doing it. You know, you can't be just, okay, one day I'm gonna wake up happier. So what did happen, uh, it was a very long process. My freshman year of high school was probably on paper the worst year 
of my life in terms of what I put out. You know, I had a 0 0.6 GPA my freshman year of high school. Horrible. Not, not yeah. to shame anyone with a 0 0.6. If that's the best you can do, great job. And it made me very sad. And one day of my freshman year, I was in my school counselor's office and he was talking to me about the fact that I have a 0 0.6 GPA. Uh, maybe it was lower at that time. Who, who knows? Um, I really, really stuck it out at the end and got, got, got up to the 0.6. Um, and he said, maybe you shouldn't be in the college prep classes. Maybe you should join our construction program. And that was like a, as much of a turning point as I could describe. Um, because in our education system, in my local education system, let me explain something to you. The construction management program at, at State College High School isn't, isn't like, oh, we think you'd be a great construction manager. That's not what it is. It is a way to separate kids who have no potential and no aptitude towards regular academics. Uh, it's so they don't have to worry about those kids because they won't struggle in these classes that are made just as basically daycare for the most part. I mean, they might learn skills or whatever. I'm not trying to, you know, talk down to them, but that is what they do. I can very clearly see it. Um, and it's not a criticism of the students, it's a criticism of the administration for doing that because it's kind of bold, but it is what it is. So they're telling me, there's like, hey, you know, we really don't think you're smart enough for high school English. You know, we really think you should go into the construction management program. And I was so offended because of what they said, not because I thought that they were being rude, because it was like a reality check. Like that's what they thought I was worth at that point. And I decided to try and get my act together. So over the course of, you know, that summer, I made up a lot of classes. And the next year, I had to take like a ton more credits because I didn't pass any classes my freshman year. And you know, I was still working hard. I probably didn't hit my capacity, but I had to play catch up all of high school. So I never really got to like flourish, I would say. Um, I was always just like dealing with what I had screwed up in the past and it really drained me. So by the time I was a senior, I, I knew I wasn't going anywhere good. I knew like I might as well just mail it in. And I had a terrible senior year. I got a D minus in creative writing. Do you know how, how easy creative writing is? We would show up to class. It was half a credit class. We'd show up to class and she would say, I want you guys to just word vomit on the paper. Just write every word in your head. And you would get an A every time. I just didn't go. I, I, I was so stupid. It, I, I really didn't do the right things. But anyways, progressively on paper, I got better every single year. So although I slacked off in academics, my senior year of high school, I was a first team all Western Pennsylvania football player. And I was very proud of myself athletically, academically, not great, but athletically, I really pushed myself to get there. You know, I worked very hard at that. Um, but eventually I realized one, I'm not going to the NFL. So that's really stupid for me to do that Two, Why don't I just, you know, on, do everything I can in academics and athletics. And that's what my last two years have been about, you know, 
getting past old roadblocks that I put in front of myself, meaning having to go to lesser universities, having to go places I didn't want to be, getting past those, and then getting somewhere where I can really thrive. And that's what got me into Denison. I haven't, I, this fall semester will be my first semester at Denison. You know, I haven't even gone yet, but I, the achievement of going from a 0.6 GPA to going to a college that I will be going to for free and admits students with 7.6 GPAs and 5,500 SAT scores, you know, obviously those are hyperbolic statistics. I'm just saying <laughs> that if you go look, go on to the, the little, just type in Denison University admission statistics. I had no business there as a high schooler, but I didn't give up and I knew that I was worth more than what I was valued at at the time. So I just kept working. Um, you know, my advice for anyone would be if today you like, you can only walk 10 steps, that's your capacity for walking and then you just collapse and die, I guess. Walk 10 steps and then tomorrow walk 11 and the next day walk 14 and it will, you know, it'll, you know, you'll build up to something great. Eventually you can run a mile, you can run five miles. Eventually you're going to be somewhere where you couldn't have been without action. One of the worst things you can do is look at your current circumstance and your current work ethic and say, yep, I'm going somewhere great. If you're not somewhere great and you're doing the same things that got you to where you are, you need to change what you do. This is why I talk, what I talked about with Sebastian last summer. Sebastian, you, you care if I talk about this? Go ahead. It's not personal. Right, he, didn't yeah. seem, he didn't seem that motivated about life. You know, he was, he already went to Johns Hopkins. He was already in the, the, the elite school party. I wasn't there yet. Uh, he was in Johns Hopkins and he, he wasn't happy, but he didn't do anything to change his unhappiness, which is okay. Some people get depressed and they don't do anything about it. I didn't do anything about it. But what needs to happen is action. Whether someone else helps you get there or you do it yourself, you have to do something to become happier. If your current circumstances do not make you happy and you are doing the same thing that keeps you in those circumstances, then you are doing yourself a disservice. And maybe me saying that will help you. Maybe it won't. But cognitively, you need to understand you have to change your behavior to get happier. And I know that sucks and it's not fair, uh, but it's, it's life. You know, I was, I, I didn't have good circumstances when I grew up, but I changed my behavior and I, I'm every day I'm working towards being happier in my college experience to, to this point, I have never been happy with where I was. Not once. I have never had a sustained satisfaction of attending whatever university and taking nonsense gen eds. I have never been happy, but I understand that the harder I work and the more I apply myself, I'm moving towards my own version of happiness. Um, and that's important. And, and if I didn't, I would be extremely depressed. If I, if I didn't, you know, go out every day and do something that I thought was going to change my circumstances, I, I would be so depressed. And that's, it's not my fault. You know, I'm, I'm extremely lucky to have that perspective and I'm hoping I can give that to other people. You know, I don't blame Sebastian for being, you know, depressed or apathetic. I, I feel bad and I wanted to help him. I, I literally did. I have no obligation to Sebastian. I could have said like, okay, dude, that sucks. Like that's, that's crazy, bro. But I didn't. I wanted to help him because I think everyone is worth helping. You know, if you're in a privileged circumstance. So for me, I'm not economically privileged. I'm not ed educationally privileged. 
but I am motivationally privileged. <laughs> I have a shit ton of motivation and I want to give that to other people. Um, and that's what I did to Sebastian. And that's what I do every day. I, every kid I taught a breakthrough, if they weren't motivated, we would get them motivated. Okay. I love motivation. I love making sure people, if, if they aren't strong enough to get out of their, you know, their current mental circumstance, if they're depressed, if they're anxious, whatever, then it's on, you know, someone like me or someone who's healthier to get them out of it. They can't do it themselves. And no one, and I wish I could say I did everything myself, but people helped me along the way. There was, there was guidance counselors. There was coaches that pushed me up and if they weren't there. I would probably still be in the same place. So I'm not to be like, uh, like, uh, what's it called? Applauded. I'm just lucky. I'm literally just extremely lucky. And, and so is Sebastian. Sebastian, I, you may not like your life right now, but <laughs> I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you, you are luckier than 99.9% of the world because you go to Johns Hopkins and you're going to get a computer science degree. You're going to get a great job. And there's people that didn't even have that path open. You know, they didn't even get the chance to get onto that path. They didn't even get the opportunity to, to you know, swing the bat. They were just like, oh, I'd really love to do that. And Sebastian's like, oh, it sucks, you know. But it's our own perspective, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think you made that a was very a really long rant. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Right. I think it's a very key point that you made there, like especially with uh, having the fact that it's not just you who's like got you to where you are now. And I think that is the key piece to like you know, everything in general. So like, I've been reading this, it's, this is ties in with another book that I've been reading. Uh, I don't know if you know this book, it's called Lost Connections by uh, Johan Hari. And the idea is that, you know, we're trying to give people, you know, chemical antidepressants, giving people, you know, different types of like, you know, strange, unfaced, you know, solutions to issues that aren't like, they, they're not like going to be found, you know, in one specific area. So like I myself, this is going to be very personal. I myself took, started taking antidepressants about a year ago and I recently got off um, safely and I realized because I, like, honestly, I haven't seen any difference between how I was when I was taking the medicine and how I am now. And I think when I initially took it, yes, it felt a little bit better. But like, it was because of the belief, like, I'm taking this medicine, it's going to make me feel better. It's going to make me feel happy. But by the time I was meeting, I met Zach, I was like, I was kind of, you know, not, not there. I still wasn't like completely fulfilled in like my life because of so many different things that were still like, I did not deal with. Like, you know, breaking up with my, my uh, ex-girlfriend, uh, losing contact with a very close friend. And then that happened again last semester like those things like just kept like there was reasons concrete reasons why like I wasn't feeling okay like things were going bad like constantly like last and then last semester like last semester I thought it was going to get all better or whatever and it was nice for a moment but like you can't put all your eggs in one basket that's a very important piece of it mm -hmm. like even if you have other people to rely on it can't just be one person it's just not going to work out that way and I that's what I was doing and then once that that person was like out of my life it was just like oh all broke loose and I was just like done but then you know what I had learned from my experience like prior you know during the summer meeting Zach and meeting like reading books meeting other people I realized you know why am I just like sitting here doing nothing and letting this the world just like ruin my you know my experience with life like 
I want to be happy. I deserve to be happy. Like any of us deserve to be happy. And I want, if I'm feeling okay now, like I should be able to spread that to other people as well. I should be caring about what other people, like their success and their happiness because they, you know, people aren't all like, you know, don't realize that, you know, from the get go, maybe they're being told, you know, by the, by society, you need to like, here, here's a chemical solution to solve one piece of it. And yes, it does help to some degree, but like there are so many other pieces that you need to fill beso- besides that chemical piece. Maybe there is something wrong with your brain. Like, yes, but their society is telling you like, Hey, you're not going to, you're not good enough. Hey, you need to buy something in order to make yourself feel more fulfilled. You need to buy a phone. You need to buy like, like that's something like I did during the summer. I bought a new phone and I was like, Oh, I'm going to feel better. And I felt better for about a week. And like, you know, it was done. It was just, I was done after that. Like I was like, I was kind of drained again. And then I was still trying to be happy for my students. I I think Zach saw that a lot. Like I was very, like a very positive and loud person. I'm like, you know, pretty much now I'm not really like that. Uh, And I think like I was reaching that point because I needed to pretend to be something I'm not, but like also I was reaching that because I was getting, you know, I was getting that that feedback from my students like get, getting some sense of happiness from them and like it went back and forth and me making them happy made me happy so like but I was still unfulfilled in other areas of my life so like there was only so much I can give until like I realized like I'm just running dry so by the end of that summer I was still like not I was still feeling unfulfilled because I had rectified you know just a piece in my life and i didn't see the whole picture uh, so yeah you know there's a bunch of different ways that we all experience these things as uh you know Zach very has explained. important, very important small point this is just philosophical you can believe this or you don't want to believe this it is not the world's responsibility to be catered to you it is your responsibility to be tough enough to deal with the world and now hold on there's some people who are who are born or abused or whatever and they don't have the capacity to deal with the world and they won't without someone else's help but if you're beyond there like if you're not you don't if you don't need therapeutic intervention to become you know resilient enough to deal with the world then that's your responsibility you know you have to assume like 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 sebastian and me we, we did breakthrough okay and breakthrough attracts a bunch of different people. And there were, there were some people who were there they, because they believe in social justice. There were some people there because they just wanted to be a teacher. There were some people there because they didn't have anything else to do that summer, like our roommate. So, but, but it leads to conflict. Like, like I was there because I had a very like clear mission and I wanted to accomplish my mission. I didn't care why anyone else was there. I just wanted to, to do what I wanted to do, right? And and people generally, like I know it's hard to believe, people generally don't like me because I'm very steadfast. Like if you tell me two plus three equals six, I guarantee no matter how much you tell me it's six, I will never agree with you. I will always say it's five. If a thousand people say it's six, I will still say it's five. And that led to a ton of conflict and, and it grated on me. And I, I, I really wish there was no conflict. I really wish there was more communication, but it was still my responsibility at the end of the day to say, you know, maybe they don't have, you know, a great life right now, or maybe they ha- don't have the avenue to deal with their own issues. I can't let my emotional state 
my, you know, my sameness be affected because that's not their responsibility. They're not responsible for my psychological safety. I'm responsible for that. So I had to find a way to deal with those things. So yeah, I, I, although it's very easy to say, it's like someone, okay, today, today I was driving my, my Buick and it's a terrible car. The left turn signal doesn't work. And I was trying to get into the Duncan drive-thru. And, but it was, it was like all the way into the, into the intersection, right? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to sit here with my fake left turn. I'll turn the left turn signal. I know it doesn't work. I just do it anyways. So I turn the left turn signal on, indicating that I'm going to Duncan. This is my spot once this car moves. My Buick is very long. Um, so I couldn't just like weasel my way in there. A girl behind me drives around me and then just parks in the middle of the intersection where I was trying not to do that. And I'm telling you, emotionally, I wanted to just put my car in park, get out and just scream at her and be like, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? But cognitively, I had to step back and say like, <laughs> she might not have known my turn signal was on. She might not have been paying attention. You know, I had to talk myself down from being, you know, a slave to my emotions. Because I promise you, I have very strong emotion, but I just don't let them control me because I know better. Because if I can control by my emotions, I would have been a high school dropout and I wouldn't be in going to Denison. Okay. So I have to acknowledge my own emotions. I know that my emotions drive me to do things that are insane. And then I don't do them. And, and a lot of people aren't there yet because either one, they have great emotional regulation to begin with, or two, they believe their emotions are always justified when they are, are not. You know, you can't help but feel emotions, but you can help your actions based off those emotions. Next question, Sebastian, we've been talking too much about the same question. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, thank you for the, those points. Uh, but yeah, so I guess you, you said you were going to Duncan today, really? I love Duncan. Okay, Duncan just brought back the butter pecan flavored coffee, and that's the only flavor of coffee I like. So I slammed. I'm also tr I, when I met Sebastian, I was cutting. Uh, I'm trying to gain weight. Uh, oh. I was 217 pounds in the spring. I'm 232 pounds today. I'm trying to get to 240 pounds for football. Uh, so I'm gonna drink as much Duncan as I want. Um, so, anyways. Yeah, yeah. So like that was kind of like that kind of like I guess contradicts my question, like because I maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But like uh, no, it probably won't. As like what you know, what is the connection that you see between exercising and mental resiliency? Oh, God, very hard work to say. Because I I honestly don't like haven't been keeping up with my workouts, and I've been wanting to, but it, it's just very hard because I'm just constantly in the same space. I have nowhere to like my mind doesn't separate you know, where I eat, from where I watch TV, from where I, you know, just chill, from where I do my work, because everything is just, you know, in my room. All right, you're showing your bench. Yeah, lucky you. Uh, so tell me, like, what are... Not so, lucky me. <laughs> tell me, tell me, how is it impacting your life? And, like, how do you maintain that motivation to keep doing it, even, like, though it could be very tiring? Exercise, fitness, and nutrition are inextricably linked to psychological health. I, I will never get off that hill. I promise you, if you are inactive and you do, and you eat things that you're not supposed to eat, not meaning like, oh, that's a bad food, meaning it was produced in a lab and it didn't exist before we had society, 
probably not something you're supposed to be eating. Okay. I probably should not be drinking Duncan, but I do. Okay. But I'm telling you, if I just drank Duncan and I just ate munchkins every day and I didn't move, I would feel worse than I do now. Okay. But, but, but listen to me. Okay. I, whenever I was my most depressed, I was inactive, extremely overweight, and, and had no ambition in terms of nutrition. I, I was just like, yep, I'm going to eat a, a ton of food. Yep, I'm going to play video games. Yep, I'm, I'm never going to move, okay? And that, that was not a good recipe. So, so although I had the fortune of being a football player and I was kind of forced into exercise, I immediately after I started being consistent with exercise, I was less depressed. Even though I had the exact same environment, even though I was still extremely overweight, even though I still was not the best diet-wise, I, I, my depression went from, you know, this giant cloud to a little pinhole that sometimes tripped me up, you know? It wasn't, it wasn't even close to the same. And I'll, I don't think a lot of people understand that because, you know, the way the fitness industry is, is marketed, you know, if you open, you know, Instagram and you go to, to the Discover page, it's going to be a girl standing there, like, doing this doing this and like showing her like midsection and being like I did I did abdominals today and now I have visible abs even though it's nonsense it has nothing to do with fitness unless you're being a power lifter you don't even work your abs your abs don't show because you do abs your abs show because you're in a caloric deficit but anyways I've always felt that exercise is important to have a balanced life and that doesn't mean that today you don't move and tomorrow you have to, you know, buy a squat rack and, and a bench and a bunch of weights. That does, that's not what that means. It means, for one, you don't even need to lift heavy, it doesn't matter. For one, it means you need to just move. You're a human being. You're, you, it doesn't matter how much society is around you, you need to move. You know, if you were, if you were you know, in the savannah, you'd be running 20 miles a day trying to run down a deer so it dies and you can eat it. Do you really think you're supposed to sit in an office all day and drink Dunkin' and eat munchkins? No, you're not. You're and you're and you're ruining your own gift of like biology by doing that. Because, you know, a lot of people are young, a lot of people aren't 70. So they're like, oh, I'm 20, I'm 30, I'm I'm 40. I can I can live like this until you see the ramifications of those actions. You know, I, whenever, I mean, I had high blood pressure when I was 12, 12 years old. I had, I had to take blood pressure medication. Do you know how ridiculous that is? You, you, you really can't understand the, the, the benefits of exercise until you are just willing to, you know, jump into it. I'm positive Sebastian doesn't feel as good today because he's locked inside than he would if, as he did in the spring. What do you think? What do you say? Yeah, yeah. I was working out at least fairly consistently before this whole lockdown situation. Yeah, and I think, you know, once I stepped into being back home, I <laughs> I was, like, just stuck in that mindset. Like, I'm already exhausted because I have to do so much work for – like all my courses because I feel like I'm falling behind and then I actually am falling behind because like I'm so stressed out because I need to figure out my whole housing situation for next semester. This was a whole fiasco.
but yeah yeah but anyway like i had such i was struggling with that and i was just like you know i don't care anymore i'm not gonna work out like even though my area honestly i don't bump bump into like anyone like with like there's no like within this like mile or so range or i don't know i i'm not very good with distances but whatever uh like there's no one around here really like i'm pretty living in a pretty banquet area and even if i went out to take a walk went out to like you know jog a little bit it would not be that hard like there's literally like no one around here so I, like i have every reason to do that and there's like been some very lovely days and i've just been sitting inside like doing nothing because i don't want to be like i feel like i, I locked myself inside because i don't no, like I, I like I have already have like some degree of social anxieties with people. Like I get very uncomfortable with like meeting new people a lot of the time. So I, I use that to justify the fact that, oh, okay, that also means I don't need to like I don't need to keep up with my like physical fitness because it doesn't really matter. Like I feel okay in terms of my mental health. So, you know, whatever, I'm just gonna give up on all this. You know, then like I, that becomes a you know, an ongoing cycle where I'm stuck sitting in my room when I still I actually do like maybe a lot of people don't have the opportunity to be outside or I still have to be like, I still have an opportunity to be outside, like at least for like briefly and still be safe. But like, even if I am indoors, like there's like still plenty of room for me to just do some push-ups, you know, do some car, like do something in order to like get my body like moving and like breathe a little bit. And like, I don't want to do it because I'm just, I've been lazy and like, I just want to stay that way. And it's very hard to get out of that feeling. So what I think is important to note about that is that there's always a reason not to do something that is hard. Um, and I'm not blaming you, Sebastian. We've all been there. We've all, you know, for instance, so, so at Breakthrough, Breakthrough ran from like 7, 7.30 to like maybe 3 or 4. And then after that, you had the lesson plan. And it was... You know, it was a lot of work. You know, you had to do your lesson plan. You had stuff to do. On top of that, I had a bunch of other stuff I had to do, including my exercise. So I had to, I had to run and lift before work. So I, Sebastian can attest to this. I would wake up at four o'clock in the morning, and I would drive to Robert Morris's uh, uh, track and run every day. Okay, and and there was. I could have just been like, you know what? I don't actually need to do cardio until like a week before and all this stuff. But I, but I knew in my heart of hearts, once I like criticized my criticism, I realized that that's, you know, I'm, I'm not being honest with myself. And, you know, just as Sebastian has his circumstances limiting him right now, I have my own stuff I had to deal with. I, I do not live at home ever. I, I, I don't like being at home. Okay. I don't like, I don't I just don't like it okay as soon as this virus stuff happened and all the gyms got taken away from me I came home and okay right now if you can figure it out I am in a shed I'm not inside a house I'm inside a shed and everyone see that, okay? I don't even live inside my house because I don't want to, but I am so driven about exercise, okay? I drove home, I sold my truck, I worked construction for, for I still work construction, but I was working construction, took all the money, 
and I bought a squat rack off of Facebook Marketplace. I, I don't know where the bench came from. It must have already been here. I bought a $200 Olympic bar. I bought $300 worth of weights, okay? And it's and, it, and I am not in the economic circumstance to be spending money like that. And I liked my truck. But I, I have a vision that's much longer the next week my visions you know I, I i'm talking about my future for 30 years okay so i was like i can either just be like oh you know i can probably run or i can sell my truck and build a gym in a shed okay i could do either of those two things but and i'm not saying any everyone has to do that but what i am saying is i had every single excuse to not exercise at all or just run, or just do nothing because, oh, there's a, a lockdown. I had every excuse, just like everyone does. And I'm not better than anyone else who, who uses their excuses. I'm just saying there's ways around your own excuses, all right? Sebastian doesn't have a truck, okay? And he lives in New York City. So I bet he doesn't have a shed either, okay? No. But he has his own, he, he can overcome his excuses in different ways. He doesn't have to build a shed or a weight room. He, I know for a fact, he definitely has the time to go <laughs> run. Just go outside and run. I, this squat rack, this bar, none of this is essential for feeling better. Cardio is essential for feeling better. Jogging, walking, whatever you want to do, that is that will make you feel better. As an example, okay, as an example, I before I had all this, I just... Because, like, the back orders and whatnot, I just had, like, a, the plates and the bar, okay? And I was like, I'm going to lift, but I don't know how I'm going to lift, you know? I didn't have anything to put the bar on top of, okay? So I would do goblet squats. And I was exhausted doing goblet squats. And I was like, my cardio is terrible. So I started doing cardio. And I, I can't even tell you how much better I feel. Even though cardio is not essential for my sport, I feel so much better day-to-day -day doing cardio than I would without doing cardio mm -hmm. okay there's there's you don't have to lift heavy weights you don't have to you don't have to be you know 240 pounds you don't it doesn't matter what that will make you feel better is doing cardio and every single person on the planet that is not currently in the hospital with coronavirus can do cardio your grandma can do cardio your mom can do cardio your three-year-old sister can do cardio everyone can do cardio and especially you you that's listening to this can do cardio so that's exercise it's important yeah so i, I wanted to go t touch on one more point so in terms of motivational stuff like what are your like long-term aspirations you know when you're in the next let's say for the next month and then for the next year and then for the you know the longer you know, reach of your life. What are your goals for, you know, the rest of your life, I guess, yeah. Okay, so this is this is gonna be, you know, an ordeal here, okay? My short-term goal for, a, for quite a while, for the last two years, was to get into a university that guaranteed full aid because I come from an economic circumstance, just like Sebastian, where if I get into one of those universities, I will go for free or next to free. Like me and Sebastian, you'll get a sticker price at both of our schools, Neither of us pay it because we scam the system. We both <laughs> don't pay anything, okay? And that's and I'm 
very happy about that. I am not saying I deserve that. I am very appreciative. I, every single day I wake up, I got a, a ray of sunshine because I got into Denison. I can't, I'm not joking. I'm very serious. So that was my short-term goal and I accomplished it. And even if I didn't accomplish it, I have more long-term goals. So, you know, a medium to short-range goal right now is that I want to be a starter on Denison's football team this fall. And I just, you know, I want to do everything I can to, to be the best person for that position. Another, you know, medium to short-term goal is to have a 4.0 at Denison. I have been right on that 4.0 margin. And now that I don't have to work full-time, which, I mean, a lot of people listening probably don't have to work full-time in school. I did. I guarantee you I, I will put in as much effort as possible towards that goal. Okay. A more long-term goal is that I want to get into a doctoral program for counseling psychology. A lot of people don't know this about mental health. There's like 30 different degrees you can get to be a therapist, be a social worker. You can get a master's in counseling. You can get a, a doctorate in clinical or counseling or any sort of psychology discipline. And you can be a psychologist, but the licensing is different. So if you get a master's degree in counseling in your state, depending on where it is, I live in Pennsylvania, you have to do two years of supervised counseling where you might not make any money because a lot of the time either it comes out of your pay from the place you work at or you have to pay someone to supervise you to get the hours to be licensed and i don't come from like any money so no one i can't do that i literally i can't imagine myself doing that especially with having to pay loans back and everything i would be i don't know i would be nothing i guess and I, God bless anyone that can do that. Uh, it's not, I didn't design rules. So I am going to be a psychologist, not because I think it's any better than a, a regular, you know, count a, a LPC, but because there's only one year of supervision and because there's a, 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 circ, a, a, a university-based counseling position called a doctoral fellow, mm. um, where they, they pay you basically a first, a first year therapist salary. And they also do your supervision. So it's really a great deal to do it because you become a supervised, you get supervised, you become a licensed psychologist and you get paid like you're already licensed. So it's a very, very good circumstance for me. And that's what I'm going to pursue, but it's not like everyone has to pursue that. So I want to become a psychologist. And then here we come to the ultimate why, you know, why do you want to do this? I believe fundamentally everyone is limited by their own mindset, their own mental health, their own things that happen, you know, in here. Everything else in the world is a manifestation of what happens in our mind, you know? How you believe in yourself, if you believe in yourself, what you believe about yourself influences your behavior, although people see the behavior but not the mind behind it, you know? So my personal belief is that I want to help people with their own mental health so they can create their own lives that they wouldn't have been able to without it. So now obviously I have to get paid to do this, right? And unfortunately, the people that need therapy the most, we live in a, a capitalist society, they cannot get it. Therapists aren't like, you know, people that work in a school. There's not it's not a public position. There's not public funding for therapists really, uh, unless it's court mandated. And I really think it's kind of screwed up that you have to commit a crime to get therapy. Um, so my personal goal is to be a psychologist that works 
20 hours a week with regular paying clients. And then I want to use my other 10 therapy hours for people that cannot pay for therapy regularly. So, you know, kids, adults who are in a low income circumstance that they're being restricted by their mental health. So if I can give them, you know, a, a better mental health environment, you know, then maybe they can transfix those circumstances because ultimately, you know, it's a lot to ask an entire country to change like the avenues and the environments of people who are poor. It's not a lot for me as an individual to help individual people try and get out of those circumstances, whether it's become through becoming more resilient or, you know, bringing up to like normal mental health, you know, maybe they're, maybe they have a disorder. Maybe there's something I, I have to address. Uh, maybe they just are depressed. It, it, whatever it is, I want to help people get to where they have the abilities to succeed. Because there are a lot of people, based on their own mental health, who it doesn't matter what opportunity you give them, they don't have the mental capacity, they don't have the mental health to succeed. You know, you can put someone who's poor and who's who who had a tough life into Johns Hopkins, but if they're not mentally ready to handle it, they will not succeed. I promise you they won't succeed. And then, but as a society, since we don't see mental illness, we'll say, oh, that's their fault. They, they didn't work hard enough. They didn't do enough. They didn't, they didn't do it for themselves. In reality, they couldn't do it themselves. It took, it has to take someone else to help them. And so that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I want to do for my life as a side project, a side thing I want to do. It has nothing to do with helping people. I want to have a Christmas tree farm. I think a Christmas tree farm is one of the best gigs you can get because trees grow pretty much regardless of what you do. Like, I mean, you can water them, whatever, but they're pine trees. So they're gonna grow. And then part of the experience is like chopping it down yourself and carrying it yourself. So you don't have to do any work. So you just basically sit back and you're like, ah, oh, I got Christmas trees and the people buy them from you. They're just buying trees, there's trees everywhere. Why would you buy a tree from me? Because that's tradition. Okay. So I'm going to have a great side business of doing, you know, a Christmas tree farm and we'll, we'll put the profits back into the therapy practice or whatever, but that's definitely a side gig I'm going to pursue. Sounds pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be the life. <laughs> Sebastian, yes. what? what are your goals? What are your short and long-term goals? Yeah. 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 That's a, Good question. <laughs> I I guess for the next maybe a month or so, I'll, I'll have to take a summer course. And my goal is to get an A in that class. And if I don't reach that, I want a B plus. Like I want to do well in this class because this class is pretty hard. My friend took it last year during the summer and just the course alone and he failed. And of course, there's a lot of circumstances that went behind that. Like he did kind of give up at some point anyway, but like, even because I, I want to keep up with the work every week because I know it's going to be a lot. And I still want to do well, no, no matter like what my circumstances are. I still want to like, hopefully get a job, maybe like some part-time job, maybe online or something because I still need to, you know, make money because I, I do have to pay some things back. Like, and also want to be able to have more freedom to myself because I am staying with my dad right now. And I do want to be able to buy like food when he like, when it's a little bit too inconvenient for him to, you know, pay, pay for me because it is kind of expensive. I am like, I eat 
I don't eat like a lot, a lot, but I am a 20 year old person. Like I am eating a decent amount of food. So there's that. As an aside to that, um, I, don't, I don't know if you want to include this or not on the podcast, my <laughs> philanthropic nature. Um, there's a lot of uh, schools or, you know, charter schools. Like I know one personally that are looking for like virtual summer teachers um and you might be able to do that um especially since you're a stem major you might be able to teach some sort of stem class um and although it probably won't pay the same as like a regular job it's like it's an option just having a couple dollars because i've been in where you are where it's like hey like i'm running a deficit like me eating is a deficit to my finances (laughs) i've been there and maybe we can work that out um yeah Yeah. that's just inside so more of your goals (laughs) <laughs> yeah so my uh i guess my long-term goal would be like my long-term goals i don't know there's just a lot of stuff but uh you know i want to get that degree i want to get my degree in computer science i hopefully want to get also a master's degree in cs as well there's like a five-year program you do need to have like a decent amount like decent grades in order to get into that program but like if i can figure my life out you know during the summer for the rest of my time at Hopkins, and when, if I get those grades up, when you figure your life out, I said when you figure your life out. You said oh, if I said yeah, when. when, when, yeah, when, when you when. figure your life out. Because are are you in control of that? Can you handle it? Can you <laughs> put your life in order? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, when, so I, when yeah, so when I figure my life out, yes, I will be able to get those better grades and. You know, I don't want to make my life about grades. I don't want to be the one who gets like a 4.0 in like every semester. I, I don't care like to that point. I don't, I'm not going to sacrifice my mental health and my sanity in order to get that A++ or in, in every single course ever because that's just ridiculous. So at least in my view, maybe that's for you, but even then, I don't think so. We're in, we're in very different majors. Uh, at least in my opinion, I have, it's very easy to get an A in psychology. Uh, it's probably not as easy when, like, I don't do well in math. I, I suck at math. Like, I just, I just don't have the basics down. So, you know, you're. Pro- I would probably struggle if I was a computer science major. So, uh, I'm not saying everyone has to do that. I'm saying me personally, it's for me to be competitive because I don't have like a great academic history because I'm a first gen college student. I know I have to have like a very good grade to get into grad school. But mm-hmm. I don't. If you, if you you're already in Johns Hopkins and you're saying they have a plus one program you don't have to get a 4.0 you have to show them that you do well in their courses and then you'll get into the plus one so yeah don't worry about a 4.0 worry about whatever a 4.0 is to you like if you, your capacity is, is a two then you better get a two but if your capacity is a three get a three if your capacity is a 3.1 get a, you know what I'm saying yeah don't stress yeah. it's impossible to go beyond your own capacity so don't stress about it. I will never be able to dunk a basketball. I do not have the ability to do it. I have lifted weights. I've ran. I've done all sorts of athletics. I'll never dunk a basketball. And I don't feel bad about it. So don't feel bad if you don't get a four-point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, my, my, I don't want to care too much about the numbers. So I do. Hopefully, even if it's not, it's not. If I don't get a 4.0, I want that, like, 3.5 or whatever that whatever like whatever is necessary for me to get to the next point where I feel like I'm very I'm comfortable where with where I'm at in terms of like am I actually learning things as well in my courses like am I just getting that a and like you know just 
word vomit or like whatever like getting all that stuff in my head and like memorizing it to yeah. un- well enough for a moment and then like throwing it out when i'm done but i that's actually want to learn note. yeah that's an important note to say like i i'm telling you i just got an a in world art i don't know anything about world art if you can if that professor came to my shed and asked me you gotta tell me about the Byzantine era. I would say I don't know anything about the Byzantine era, and I got an A for the Byzantine era. So, there's <laughs> the number is a little bit different than the knowledge. I've learned things things in courses where I didn't do as well as I thought, but I actually learned the content. Okay, so so as Sebastian's saying, you don't don't get caught up in the numbers. You get caught up in the knowledge because if you're if you're gonna be a practitioner, if you're gonna be someone that practices what you what you're learning then you might as well learn it now and not have to learn it when you're on your first day on the job and they say, hey, what's this very basic concept? And you're like, I know I got an A in that, but I don't know it. You know, do the work, get get it done. Don't don't try and get a grade, meaning like, you know, cramming, learning it for three and a half hours and never, you know, actually putting it into your memory. Okay. Anyways, continue, Sebastian. I was just trying to make that a good point for our for our viewers or our listeners <laughs> however this is going out uh yeah 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 good point uh but yeah my uh, getting back to the point of me like the long-term goals i uh yeah so i, I want to get the degree probably get that master's i don't know what i foresee after that i feel like i might want to become a professor because i feel like such my experiences with some of my professors has been not the best and I, I want to be that type of professor who cares about my students and shows that like even though like I am teaching you about whatever I'm going to be like if I like if I end up being doing that I am teaching you about this but like I will also want to make sure that you know that like I care about your your academic success and your you, you as a person because I want you to succeed because there are things that you can do that you probably don't think you can but you just got to give a little push but yeah, like either doing that, that's one path that I see at least. My other path is probably just like potentially building my own company or working at a small startup and hope it, helping it grow and kind of, you know, giving my own input into something that's like real and like something authentic that I can see that like I'm actually having an impact, like hopefully on other people. And hopefully if, if I have reached a decent amount of wealth, I want to be able to help, like be able to fund some of my own ideas in the long term. Like, with whatever that it, whatever that may be, be able to you know share share that you know wealth. With, I guess with my like enjoy my life in general. It's yeah. also important to know that um, f- figuring out what your goals are going to be can be a goal. So even though Sebastian like he, he he has these goals and I have my own goals, you don't have to have those because you know I'm 20. And most 20 year olds would be like I don't know what I want to do. So then make it a goal to find out what you want to do. Because how, how are you going to move forward if you don't know what direction you're moving yet? You know? If you look at my path, it, it looks crazy. But I've always had the same goal. So I, I'm, I'm still going down the path. It's just zigzags. Like, you, you, if you know what path you're on, that's a lot, it's a lot easier to work hard if you know where you're going. If you don't know where you want to go, and you don't know what you want to do, it's very hard to be like, yeah, I'm going to put in all my effort. I'm so passionate about whatever mundane subject, you know? So find out what you want to do. Make that a goal. You know, yeah. the goals don't have to be big and they don't have to be small. They just have to be, 
you know, achievable and worthwhile. It is not a goal to eat a Cheez-It unless you have an aversion to Cheez-Its. Okay. Don't make stupid small goals that devalues the nature of goals, you know, make it a little bit challenging, possible and worthwhile. So yeah. uh, anyway, I, I was wondering, uh, you know, just any last words or any last like pieces of, of advice that you have for the audience. So when you come to an impasse where you're going to say, I quit or I'm going to keep going, the first, you know, sensation, the first thought, criticize it. So if you're, you know, if you're running and your goal was to run three miles and you're at one and a half and you want to quit and your mind's saying one and a half is pretty far. I mean, it's further than most people ran today. Criticize that thought. Because that thought is a rationalization for your id, for your desire to be comfortable. When that thought comes up, tell yourself or think about it and criticize it. Because sometimes it, it, it may be worthwhile to stop. Maybe you run one and a half miles and you're, you tear your Achilles or you're, you're, you have chest pain. What, whatever it is, there sometimes is worthwhile reason to stop but if your reason is just that you feel like you've done enough or it's a little hard criticize it understand that it's just a rationalization and keep going okay because those self-imposed restrictions will limit you far more than physical restrictions ever would you know the world's very wide open and it's not easy it's not easy to navigate it's not easy to do but the world is pretty wide open and if you stop limiting yourself, then you'll find the real barriers. You'll find the, the real stuff that holds you back. And you can get upset about that. I get upset all the time, okay? But I, I'm not going to get upset because I stopped me. I want someone else to say stop. And that applies to any discipline, whether you're into grooming cats or, you know, you're a professional athlete, whatever it is, just keep pounding. Like, just keep going. You, there's people that have it worse than you. There's people that don't even have the opportunity to work hard. You know, like Sebastian, I, whenever he was complaining about having, having to work out and whatnot, I would tell him, there are people who are paralyzed. There are people who have intellectual disabilities. There are people who would kill to have the pleasure to run, okay? Even though it sounds stupid, like, oh, I don't want to run. I'd rather never run in my life. <laughs> that's a privilege it's a privilege to exercise it's a privilege to run it's a privilege to go to college there's a ton of people who complain about college they say oh college is so hard you know i hate college it makes me stressed out well that may be true there is a lot of people in the world who would kill to go to an american university get an american degree and live in the united states it is a very privileged position and, and before you complain about where you're at Try to get some perspective. I, I could complain for days. I'm great at complaining. But I know that I'm lucky. And so I, I stop myself. It's, it's my first instinct to complain. Things are hard. But, but you can't. Because I guarantee I'll find someone that has it harder than you. I guarantee it. You know? Sebastian has it harder than me right now. He doesn't have a squat rack. Think about all the things he's missing out on without a squat rack. His quads are probably shriveling. Mine are expanding to, I'm not going to fit in the shed next week, okay, because I have to do my quads. Okay, so 
So I know I'm lucky, and I know that Sebastian is lucky. And I, until we get to the bottom of the totem pole, where we have someone that has every disability in the world and, and they can't leave a, their room, then they can complain. But if you're above that person, then don't complain at all, because you because you can do something about it. If you can do something about your circumstances, you might as well do it. That reminded me of a quote that I read actually that said like. These are not like the circumstances that you can succeed. These are the circumstances in which you must succeed. Like you can't necessarily change what you can to some degree change some things, but you can't change everything. But so what you can change, change it and do better. Keep trying, keep doing whatever you need to do in order to get to that next point. But don't just expect that things are going to go your way just because you say they are, because you think they are. Yeah, and I think that just brings in with a lot of the points of like overall without this throughout this conversation of just self-learning, like learning outside of the classroom and trying to improve yourself in terms of your mental health, in terms of, you know, knowledge that you can gain that is way beyond what you learn inside the, in a, within college itself, within like, you know, the classroom setting or even within like your friend groups or whatever there, like there's so much more that you can learn from the different experiences that you have in life. And one last thing. <laughs> God. If, you, if you can't change your mental health yourself, if exercise doesn't fix it, if, if resiliency doesn't fix it, if you don't have it within you to fix your own mental health, ask someone else to help. You know, See a therapist. If you have access to a therapist, if you don't have access to a therapist, talk to a friend. There, there are all sorts of reasons why your mental health may be plaguing you, but the worst thing you can do, if, if this is getting through to you, if I'm talking, if you're hearing what I'm saying, the worst thing you can do is to say, no, I'm fine. Because that's, that's what leads to, to the worst stuff. You know, if you can't do it yourself, ask someone else to help you. If they can't help you, ask someone else until you, until you just can't fight anymore. Okay. Do whatever it is within you that you can do. If you can't change it, ask someone else to change it. Okay. Because I don't expect everyone to be healthy. I don't expect everyone to be able to pull themselves out of their hole because that's not reasonable. But I expect you, whoever's listening to this, to do what you can do. And that's different for everyone. So that that was the last thing I'm going to say. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Thank you, Zach, for joining me today. And thank you for all your motivational words for my audience and for myself, which my audience is very limited, obvious, obviously, right now. It won't be but after we this. We're going to blow <laughs> up after this. <laughs> Let's hope so. I don't know. 10,000 uh, more subs. Uh, so where, where can we find you, Zach? My Instagram is ZachWilmer40. I used to use my Instagram to post stupid stuff that I thought was fun. I don't know. Now, now I'll use my Instagram, um, or I'm planning to use my Instagram to just post about like stuff I've dealt with, stuff I have to deal with. And to show people that they're not alone. And, and I would hope to highlight other people. I have had a lot of stuff that I've had to overcome. But I know there's people that I've had to overcome more. And it's not that I think I'm better than anyone else. I just want to give people a path. Because I've seen other people have given me a path out of what I'm dealing with. And I want to do that for other people. Because a lot of the time, even if, even if an outsider can say, oh, that's easy. You just do this. In your own mind, you might think, I'll never get out of this. And I'm sure everyone's been there. So. Instagram is ZachWilmer40. You can follow me. It's public. Um, that's what I plan on doing with my Instagram. Yeah, I'll make sure to link that in the description. 
Yeah, so thank you, Zach, for joining me today. And I hope all of you stay safe out there. And I hope to see you next time. It's been, uh, it's been Sebastian. Peace. Yeah, the end of the video. All right, so.